0: Morning, familia. I you know when, when you hear that music, right? It's like it's grandiose, right? Like you're expecting something big and then little guy comes up, you know? Like, what is happening, you know? Well, but God is great, amen? amen? So let's hear him speak. Everybody open up your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 17. See what the Lord is doing. 17. When you're there and you got your Bible open, whether it's like this or on your phone, you're ready, say amen. Okay. That means I have to be ready myself. Here we go. Table's delicate. There we go. Now I can see. Paul is on his second missionary journey, okay? Beginning in Acts 16. He's revisiting some of the towns he went and shared the gospel originally. This is 5 years somewhat after his first missionary journey, right? So he's going back through Philippi and going everywhere else. This is where we get the book of 2nd 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. It's right here and this is why, okay? So Paul is saying, let's go back and check the churches to see what we started, make sure everyone's going good. And you're seeing how people are responding to the good news of Christ, right? Because that's really what's happening here. How do people respond when you share the good news of Christ with them? And you're going to see from the text, there's usually about three responses, okay? And we're going to look at those and see what we're going to do Preparation to share the good news of Christ this coming year as we prepare to be on mission. Amen? So let's go. First principle I want to share with you, okay, is this. That some people doubt, right? And that's okay. And they need to be persuaded because they all come from Missouri, all right? And they need to, you know, how many know the Missouri theme? There you go, right? You know, show me, prove it to me. All right, like no problem. And look what Paul does. Beginning in the first four verses, that he says this: Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis, Am- I can't even pronounce that word. And Amph- there you go, and Apollonia. Okay, you don't know what? Where- yeah, my mind went there. They came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul went in as it was his custom, and on three Sabbath days. He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Okay? Three weeks. And more than three weeks, he's there, and he's sharing the good news. He's persuading, he's doing. But let's look at some of the things that he did. Number one, A, he reasoned with them. He reasoned with them, okay? Beginning of verse 2. This is that word in the Greek where we get the word dialogue, okay? All right? But it was more than dialogue, okay? Okay? He was deducing with them. He was deriving and coming to a conclusion. It's like, hey, let's get into a conversation and tell me what you think you know about the Old Testament. I'm going to tell you about Isaiah 53 and everything else. And they're just going back and forth. And he's reasoning with them and explaining, not only just one time, but week after week after week. Okay? This is a hint for what we need to be doing with our friends and neighbors. Okay? It's not a sprint We're on a marathon, just slowly planting seeds, cultivating the ground, watering it, okay? And you're going to see how he does all that, and then God is the one who brings the fruit, amen? So he reasoned with them. Second thing, he's explaining them, okay? Another word. It was like diagnosing. He's making plain the text to them. This is exactly what I'm doing right now. The fancy word in seminary is exegesis. Meaning you're coming from, you're getting out of the text. I'm not putting my idea into the text. I'm revealing to you what the text says. Everybody who is in my, my group remember this, right? We're doing observations, interpretation, explanation, interpretation, then application. This is what he's doing. He's just doing the same things, explaining to them so that he make it very clear to them. And then look at what he did. And then proving to them. This is the same word or the same sense like a lawyer when he goes, let me show you why this person is guilty or this person is innocent. Paul does this in Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. He's laying his case before and he's proving. He's laying down the evidence. He says, look at this, look at this, look at this. And this is what Paul is doing. He's reasoning with them. He's explaining. He's proving to them that the one they crucified is the Savior of the world. But look at that. Paul does his part, Silas does his part, but then God does his part. Okay? This was the cool part. It says some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Okay. That, That term bothered me. I kept looking at it, and not a few. Actually, it means quite a lot, but they're using it from the negative sense, and I go, oh, this is, why make it hard? Why just not say, a lot of women came to know Christ, okay? Just say it like that, but look what happened. As he did all that, look what the Holy Spirit did, persuading them. This word, just think about it like this. This word, the persuasion, is in the passive tense. Meaning what? Meaning... Okay? That they humbled themselves. They were like this. And then God was able to do this to them. We know it real good in Ephesians 5.18. when Christ calls the people and he says, hey, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a passive imperative. I'm going to fill you, but in order for you to be filled, you have to be passive. Okay? And then I'm going to fill you up. Okay? Same thing is happening here. They... Listen to the reasoning. They hear the explanation. They hear the proof. They see the proof. And they go, wow. And they were wise enough to humble themselves. And then God comes in and he persuades them. And he says, the Holy Spirit says, okay, now, see, now your heart is soft enough. Now you're, you're hearing me, right? You're listening. You're not just hearing me. You're actually listening with your mind, with your heart, with everything, and this is what God is doing. Again, some of them, why not all of them, right? It says some of them came to know them, right? Not all of them. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 1017 You're going to go and share the good news a lot with people. You're going to plant seeds. And sometimes, sometimes those people will be like, mm-mm. I just, mm Remember what I shared with you last week? that we have to keep sharing the good news of Christ and loving people little by little because it takes an average of about seven times for them to hear the gospel and then eventually make a decision, okay? And this is what's happening. I wish that all people, once you heard the gospel, right, we'd go out and share the good news and people got saved. But it's not like that all the time. People come with a lot of pain and with a lot of doubt and with a lot of fear, Somebody once said the best excuse to believe and not to believe in the gospel is who? It's the Christians. We are the best evidence for the gospel and sometimes we are the best evidence to not believe the gospel because of our conduct. Right? If you can't say amen, what do we say? It's okay. Say, God help me because I want to be a good persuader. Okay? I just don't want to speak the truth i want to live the truth what is faith it's simply trust remember last week when i took a step of faith and sat on this little stool right here right this is what god does he holds us up why because he is awesome he is completely capable all right faith is only as good as the object that you're placing your faith in okay and our faith is in blind faith people often think oh you christians you believe blindly I go, no, we don't. you know how much evidence there is for the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Okay? Anybody who denies that Jesus was not a a real man, you're you're not even hearing it. You're not even thinking of it. I can't remember. I can't think of his name right now. His name escapes me. He's the most famous atheist in the United States. He was at a a college lecture, and he said it. We got it on video. And one of the students says, oh, Jesus was not even a real man, and he quickly shut him down. He goes, listen, I'm an atheist too, but I'm, let me tell you, anybody who denies the historicity of a man, Jesus of Nazareth, is an idiot. You know, he's an idiot. He goes, there was a man. His name was Jesus of Nazareth. Was he the Christ? I don't believe so. You got to make that decision for yourself. But he was real. He was real. Right? This year, 2023, A.D. I mean, think about it. If he didn't exist, who split time if it wasn't him? Our whole calendar, our whole day is based on him. Right? Coincidence? No. Fact. And this is what Paul is doing. He's like, let me just lay it for you. Let me just lay it for you. But, again, these people are from Missouri. And they're like, you need to show me. Because I'm like, mm-mm, Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Acts 751. And he tells them, you are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your heart and your ears, are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing this just as your fathers did. Some people, they resist. Right? They resist. Ah. And I always, you know, in my ministry as a chaplain, I always tell people, hey, It's okay to be skeptical. It's fine. It's okay to doubt. I doubt from time to time. It's okay. God is not afraid of your doubt or your skepticism. Okay? Not at all. Just bring it. But understand why you're doing that. Ask yourself, why, why does the pastor need to preach so hard to convince me? Isn't this book enough? Isn't Christ enough? And for some people, it isn't. It says some of have listened and were honest and humble enough with themselves to hear and to listen what was being proclaimed. And they said yes to the Holy Spirit. They were passive and said, God, we hear you listening, we hear you speaking to us through this man, and we believe. And they came to faith. Right? Again, you could doubt, but understand. God is not gonna, He's gonna keep coming after you. Look at this. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us what? Reason together, saith the Lord. For your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall be wool. Right? And it's that reasoning together. Come on, let's dialogue. Let's talk about it. Bring it. God is not afraid. And neither are we, right, church? We're going to share the good news of Christ because it's okay to doubt. There are people that are in pain sometimes. They're doubting, and it's okay. But we're going to share the good news because that's what God has called us to do. Look at what happens here. Number two, point number two. Some people are in denial. Some people are just simply in denial. They will never believe because for them it's an issue of the heart, not the mind. You understand? You understand? It's not an issue of this. They understand it. They just don't want it to be true. And look at what the Jews were. This is what these guys did in verses 5 through 10. But the Jews were jealous. and taking some wicked men of uh, of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd, and when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men have turned the world upside down, have now also come here. And Jason has received them, and they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar. They're saying, There is another king, Jesus. And the people of the city and authorities were disturbed when they heard these things and when they had taken Money as a security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. I found this so ironic, this part, right? Here comes those, remember, the antagonists, okay? They're coming in the story. This is their job, right? Today, we call them haters, you know? You're a hater, you know? It's okay if you don't want to believe. God's not going to force you to believe, but why are, you, why are you trying to convince other people not to believe? It's like you're a missionary, an evangelist, yourself. But for what? Ask yourself. Resistance from the Jews had occurred It's almost every city. I think there was at least five cities they, they, got, they got chased out of. They got beat. They got in. Why? Because of this, this group of men. Luke identifies the chief root of their hostility as jealousy. They were just jealous. Again, why? Because they didn't want people to trust in Christ. The conversion of prominent women troubled them because, think about it, and it makes a lot of sense. I was like, I read one commentary, and I'm just going to read what the commentary said. It said, the conversion of prominent women troubles them because it means the potential loss of wealthy, influential supporters in the synagogue and corresponding loss of their influence. Remember last week, hey, when Paul cast the little girl, the demon out of the little girl, the guy got upset, right? Why? Because he lost his money. He couldn't pimp the girl anymore. So now he's like, man, you're taking away my money. And isn't it, isn't it ironic that they go to Jason's house and they make Jason pay bail money, right? For what? Hey, don't deserve the peace. Romans were famous for this. Rome, he says, hey, we're going to take you over. You can worship any god you want. We have a pantheon of gods. But here's the one thing we're not going to tolerate. Don't start a problem. because see those guys right there? Those Roman soldiers, they're the best in the world. They will kill you. Okay? Just act fine. Be good. And here's the trouble. They're acting up and getting the whole town to do what? Start a fight! Come on, let's get them! Let's get them! And they're searching for them. They were jealous, <laughs> and we know this word—the actual word. And if you—if you have a—if you know have Latin training, or if you're Spanish, I'm going to say the word in Greek, and you're going to know exactly. The word here for jealous is the word "zelo." Right? How do you say it in Spanish? Celoso. Celoso. We just added another syllable to it. So the Spanish took it from the Greeks and added one more syllable. Celoso. And it was funny. I was reading it. I was like, oh, I know that word. That means jealous. You're like, hey, ese está celoso. That guy is jealous. And this was them. This is all they were demonstrating. They were just jealous. And for what? Maybe they were jealous for their customs, for their law, for their culture. We don't know. The text doesn't tell us. But we do know that that was their motive. Their motivation they were just jealous but here's the best part here's the the thesis of this whole section ready verse six this is the one of the most favorite things for me in the whole bible i love this saying look at the view these men had of paul and of these christians they have turned the world upside down and now have come here also Woo! that's an amen part okay That is amen, all right? Because, hey, what do, what, just between you and me, no one's listening, okay? Everybody that's online, just turn it off. No, just kidding, pay attention. But really, what do we want people to say of Long Grove Church? Oh, that church, yeah, that church is radical for Jesus. They're turning the whole community upside down, amen? That's what we want to hear, like, yep, I want to be part of that church. That that church is crazy enough that they're living radical for Jesus. Amen? Because they were like this. Because of the fall, because of the fall, excuse me. Oh, there was water in there. All right? Just got baptized. All right? Because of the fall in Genesis 3, the world became like this. And that's normal, right? For everybody in the world, that's normal. Is that normal? That's not normal. Yeah? Christ comes and he's like, no, I'm going to fix this. Watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it right side up. This is the way you're supposed to be. Right? Not falling. Okay? But like, you get my point. And then, put to them, it's like, no, you're going to flip it. You're turning the whole world upside down. No, no, no. We're making it right side up. But your view, because of your sin and because of your fallen nature, you think it's upside down. No. We're here, we're here to fix it to put it right side up. And this is what God is going to eventually do perfectly when he restores the new heaven and the new earth, amen? But until then, we got a mission. We got one mission. I, I, I Honestly, this would be the most amazing thing if they could brag one day and they go, yeah, longer of that church, is that crazy. They, they actually believe that they can make the world the way God said it should be, Amen. That's what I want to hear, right? I'm like, hey, what are, what are we going to be known for, church? What are we going to be known for? I want to be known for this. Let's flip it. As they say in the streets, or do they still say that, George? Flip the script? We're going to flip the script, okay? We're going to make it right side up again, right? Because everybody's walking around backwards and upside down. You know, you know what I mean. They don't even know themselves, right? Should I say it? Okay, let me say it. Then you can say bad pastor later, okay? You know, you ask me, what's a woman? Oh, my gosh. Right? What's a man? And then we got our kids, and they're coming for them. Now they identify as everything else. Why? Because they're upside down. They don't see correctly. And it's up to us. To prove, to teach, right? Because we want to flip it right side up. But for them, they're going to say, oh, they're flipping the whole world upside down. Amen. Let's flip it. Amen? Look at what they did. They flipped the whole world upside down. This church was like that, right? Because Jesus, they're like, they're teaching a new, a new thing. This Jesus is the king. No, Jesus is not like Caesar. Okay, Caesar's nothing compared to Christ. In fact, Caesar can't even exist unless Christ lets him on the throne. Right. But look at what it's funny. Doesn't this remind you of somebody? They're trying to find him so they can bring him, and then they accuse him, and they say, "Hey, this guy is preaching another king. It's an insurrection." No, Christ does not come to. You know, be one of many. Christ came to take over. Eventually, he will. But until then, we got we to hold the line. Jason received them and acting against the decrees of Caesar. There's another king. His name is Jesus. This is the same thing they accused Christ before they crucified him. And it's the same thing they put on Christ, right? On the cross. Jesus. Why did they crucify him? For this why because he claimed to be king of the jews right but did the jews want that no don't put that on the thing oh well, we got we got to give you got to give me a reason to kill him this is a good reason and they were using it hey if we say that he's trying to subvert caesar we could get him out of here no this is a whole different thing christ is king but he's no caesar he is greater the goal for christ is to be the king of your heart, to sit on the throne of your life, not as a sovereign over a nation, but as the Lord of your life. Amen? But they didn't see this because honestly, with some people, they don't want to. They make stuff up for every reason to stop the gospel. Let me show you, I want to show you two quick videos, okay? These are my illustrations.
1: Let me show the first one. Let me ask you that. If historic Orthodox Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? Uh, define Christian, like like Following what? Following Jesus's commands and trusting in Him for your salvation. Jesus said, "If you love me, you'll keep my commandments." Yeah. Uh, I would say it would. I, I would need more, more information. I would become no, a, if it were true. Yeah. If well, I'm saying it, it, then it would depend on what His commands are, whether I agreed with them. So I don't think. It's... Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So you're saying if God existed and you disagreed with His commands? You wouldn't, yeah, of course, you would, you would go your own way. Of course. Okay. God gives you the free will to do that. But is that a rational position? I think so.
0: Right? He's trying to reason with them. He's like, hey, look at here, let me give you all the evidence. And he's like, no. No. And Frank Turek, he's one of the best apologists in the country. He's got one always, one says, we're going to do the second one real fast. Because he says, hey, if Christianity were true, if it were true, if I could prove it to you, historically, everything else, would you be a Christian? And some people say no. Why? Because it's not an issue of the mind. It's an issue of the heart. Look at the second one. Watch this one.
1: Right to the chase with people, and the question is this. If Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? Just ask the question. Because if the person doesn't immediately say yes, if they hesitate or they say no, the problem isn't here, the problem's here. They don't want it to be true. They don't want there to be a God. Why? Because they want to be God. Yeah. I go to a lot of college campuses, and I ask that question to atheists during the Q&A because they get a little aggressive during the Q&A. I say, hey, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? I've had atheists yell back at me, and they say, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, wait. Mm-hmm. You claim to be an atheist, a beacon of reason. Never mind if atheism's true, reason doesn't exist because, again, we're just molecules in motion. But let's leave that aside. (laughs) I ask you if it were true, would you believe it and you say no? How's that reasonable? Mm -hmm. It's not. Mm -hmm. The problem is not intellectual with many people. It's moral. They don't want it to be true. They want to be God. They want to go their own way. So the elephant in the room...
0: See? This is every day. But it's the Holy Spirit's job to persuade. Amen? It's your job just to lay it out. But you got to get ready. We're going to get you ready. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. You Ready? You're ready. Let's get ready. All right? Last one. This is the most one. This is the fun one. Last one. Third one. Point number three. Some people are delighted because they're not afraid of the truth. Amen? Look at this. Verses 10 through 15. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night out of Thessalonica to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into a Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received all the words of Paul and Silas with eagerness. And then they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things that they were saying were true. Many of them, therefore, believed with not a few Greek women in high standing as well as men. But then look at verse 13. But then the Jews from Thessalonica, the crazies, okay, learned of the word that was being proclaimed by Paul at Berea, and they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who, conduct, who con- conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after that, receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, and then they departed. These guys were more noble. What distinguished the Bereans from the Thessalonians? Simple. They're like, okay, cool. Let's look at it ourselves. These Jews were more noble. Why? Because they were looking at it and examining the scripture. They were eager to hear it and examine it. Paul does the same thing that he always does, right? Paul goes into town. Where's the first place Paul going to? The synagogue, right? I'm going to go to synagogue. Why? Because they, they, they're already seeking God. It's kind of like I call low-hanging fruit, okay? Yeah, hey, hey these, today we call them seekers. You know, hey, these guys are interested. So let me go share with them the good news of Christ. And he's going to go there. Right? He gets there, he shares the good thing with them. But these guys are different. Why? Cuz they're eager. Okay? They're eager. the exceptional interest of being of service, willing to be They're like, "Okay, come on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead preach. You want to hit you. Go ahead. Stand up. Tell us what you're saying." And then when he said it, look what they did. They examine to engage careful study of question and examining the scriptures. And remember, there's no New Testament yet. The New Testament is being formed as Paul is doing this. So what are are they studying, really? What are they looking at? Old Testament. They're looking at Isaiah 53 and Ezekiel 17. They're saying, okay, that makes sense. Because when Paul goes, hey, remember when Abraham took his son, and he was willing to sacrifice him, and God said, no, no, that God will provide? He goes, yeah, that's the prototype. His name is Jesus. But this time, God fulfilled it and did sacrifice him so that we have forgiveness of sins. Remember John? You ever heard of John the Baptist? Yeah, yeah, we heard of that crazy guy. He pointed to him, he goes, yeah, that's the the Lamb of God who takes a what? The sin of the world. Remember in the Levitical law, we look at the at the lamb, and we need a pure, spotless lamb to pay for our sins. That's Christ. You know, we need somebody that could gather the harvest. That's Christ. He's just pointing back to Christ, and they're opening up the text and going, you know, he ain't lying. You know, we went to Bible study. We know this. He's actually telling the truth. And then what happened? The Lord persuaded them, came on their hearts, and they what? They believed. That's what they did. We're going to do the exact same thing. This is why we're getting ready. Here's the course catalog for September through November. All the groups, man, I think there's 12 groups, 12 Bible studies going on this, this semester. Look at the back of the calendar. We got, we got groups going on every day of the week except for Thursday. So what's your excuse? We spent months getting this ready. We've been, I've been here six months working for you. And we're still not done. But look at what's happening. All we need you to do is be like the Bereans and go, okay, I'm going to join. I'm going to learn. Why? Here's why I need you to do that. And praise God, not at this church. But let me ask you, does every man who stands behind a pulpit always speak the truth? We know that. You can see them on TV because they're begging for your money and everything else. But you won't know what the truth is unless you study. You shouldn't even believe me and Pastor Dell. You shouldn't. You should go, okay, I know what the text says. And I know that my pastor is preaching this. Let me see if it's correct. And you know why you should know that? Because I even taught you how to do that, right? Right? You know how to do this. It's your responsibility as the church to say, yep, that's the truth. We know it. We get taught it. Every day, we're in the word of God every day because the world is going to put in a lot of false teachers. In fact, we know that towards the end, what will the church do? The church is going to find pastors, preachers, that are going to say what those itching ears want to hear. True or not true? Not here. This is sacred. Your pastor, our pastor, Pastor Dell, no. Only thing that comes from this pulpit ever is thus saith the Lord. That's it. And it will be taught from this scripture, and it will be proven, it will be examined by you, and you will know whether it's true or not. Please, I'm begging you. Don't just, oh, Pastor Santero said it, it must be true. How do you know? Truly, how do you know? Because I can lie to you, but the only way to check me is if you know it yourself. Be a good Berean. Get ready. Study. So that way you will know, okay? And then it says this in verse 12, Then many believed, and it's all y'all. It's in the plural. <laughs> it's not just Second person plural, this is, third person plural, this is all y'all, they, a lot of them believed. Jews and Greeks, men and women, <laughs> tons of them were coming to know Christ, okay? The gospel is shared. Many will receive the good news to come to faith, but many will reject it. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility it's to share the good news. And this is how one of the things we're going to do this. Write this down. If you're taking notes, put it in the inside of your Bible. We're going to do what's called the blessed method here. It's going to be our philosophy of evangelism. And it begins with prayer. As we move into the coming year with the new vision, and what the Lord is taking us to, everything is going to be done in prayer. You're going to see prayer being rolled out. So that we not only pray individually, but we pray corporately. We're going to seek God's face for clarity and for everything else so that God can move here. It begins with prayer. We're going to listen to understand by asking questions, good questions. We're going to learn to open up our hearts and our minds to talk to our neighbors and our friends, our coworkers. Why? Because you need to be a good listener so that you could understand what the Lord is doing. We're going to eat a meal together, okay? Because the best thing to do, easiest thing to do is just share a meal. Look at what Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. God stands at the door and knocks. If anyone should hear his voice and open up, what would Christ do? He will sit down and eat with him. He will fellowship with him. And if Christ could do that, we need to do that, okay? That's how it's going to begin. We're going to serve them. That's why we do our serve Saturdays. We want this community to go, oh, that's that crazy church. They really think that they can flip the world. Yes, we do. And yes, we will. All right? We're going to flip our portion of the world. You know what our portion of the world? Here's what we discovered. From this is the center, 20 minutes, a 20-minute drive in every direction is our target audience. There's just under six hundred thousand people there for us. Six hundred thousand people. They're not going to all fit in here at the same time, but you know, that's what we're aiming for. We're aiming for young families, right? That are here. We're specifically, and we love the ladies, but we want to see these men, these fathers come to Christ and their sons. Why? Because the world hates them, but Christ loves them, okay? This is what we're going to do. And then we're going to share the good news of Christ. And we're going to teach you how to share the good news of Christ so that you could be effective. We want you to share the news. You could do all that pretty easy. Eat a meal, listen, serve. But eventually, they're going to say, hey, Santiago, what makes you different? Why do you do this? Or, man, you're kind of weird. You know? Like, yes. Let me tell you why I'm weird. Because when everybody's going crazy, I'm with Christ. But you got to learn to share the good news. And praise God, the guy, no joke, the guy that taught me over 20 years ago is right here in our own church. Pastor Daryl Farney, he's right there. One of the best evangelists In the whole world he's taught men and women all around the world and he's part of our church he's right there and he's going to teach you amen yes yeah this is why we got to get ready we will be preparing everyone to do this so we have to get ready okay this month we're going to be signing people up if you got questions come see some of the teachers they're going to be standing back there john mccauley Daryl Farney, okay? Joe Brenner. They're all back there. Ask questions. We got, we got groups for ladies. We got groups for men. We got groups for Bible study. We got, we got everything you're going to need to learn, okay? But you got you to participate. No one sits here. We got no bench warmers. We don't want bench warmers. We want participants. Everyone here is a significant partner in the gospel. Don't say, well, oh, that's the pastor's job. No, the pastor's job is to prepare you, to equip you. I know my job, okay? Ephesians 4, verse 11, that's my job description. You're the team. Me and Pastor Del, we're like the coaches. The elders are like the referees, okay? Stay in line, stay on the team, stay on the court, but you're the team, Amen? You are the team that God is preparing. This is why we're here. This is why we've been here for 175 years and we're just getting started, okay? We're not done because until Christ comes back, we are gonna be found faithful, amen? That's what we're gonna do because there are people out there that need the good news of Christ and it's incumbent upon us to share. I'm begging you, church. We will do everything to prepare you But once you are prepared, you got to go, okay? We gather to grow. We're gathering to grow. Every week we're going to gather to grow. But then we're going to scatter you to the four winds so that you could be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus Christ. Because until you smell like Jesus, you ain't done, okay? You ever been by a campfire? Don't you love the smell of campfires? Right? And you walk away, and if, the closer you get to the fire, the more the aroma just comes on you. That Even after you walk away, even the next day, the aroma of the fire is still on you, right? Yeah, you smell like smoke. I need you to smell like Jesus. You understand? But in order to smell like Jesus, you got to get really close because he's a consuming fire okay? He just don't want a little bit of you. He wants all of you. He wants 100% because this is what we got it do. With the Thessalonians, this is what the pastors did. They proved, they explained, they exegeted. But look at it. The Bereans were a good example of what the church did. They received it with eagerness, but yeah, they're like, okay, our cousins are from Missouri too. We're going we're gonna to check this out, you know? They're going to examine that too. And they did. So this is how we partner together. And we become the light until Christ comes. Amen? Amen? Do me a favor. Stand up. Heavenly Father, I do not know the heaviness of hearts that are here, but you do. You know, everything that people are going through right now, what they need. God, if there's any lingering doubt about trusting in you, God, I pray that you would soften their hearts. Use everything that I've Please, God. So they could soften their hearts. And if they are willing to soften their hearts before you, if they're humble enough, you will lift them up and become them sons and daughters of Christ. Children of God. John chapter 1, verse 12, to those who receive him and believe in his name, God gave you the right, the privilege to become a child of God. We are all God's creation. But unfortunately, we are not all God's children. Until we receive the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and believe, meaning we put our trust in his sacrifice, not our good works, not anything that we can do, just him and what he's done, Then we earn the title, child of God. Lord, if there's any heart here that needs to do that, I pray, Lord, that they would do so. God, but most of I pray, Lord, that you would sanctify your people so that we could go. We're going to get ready. We've received that we're eagerness. Lord, we're going to become effective. We're going to examine. We're going to prepare, and then we're going to go. Because that's what the command, to go to the lost, Lord. We want to be light in this community, 20 minutes in every direction, because there's 600,000 people in that circle, Lord, that you've called us to make an impact for. So, God, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. And everyone said, Let's worship.